If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Today's guest is Elizabeth Talazo. Elizabeth's a dressage specialist, she's an FEI competitor, trainer, coach and coach educator and she's also an equine photographer and hoofbeak correspondent and I'd like to talk to her about the equine photography a bit later on in the interview. How are you Liz? Yeah, very good, thank you. Good. Liz, we normally start off with a favourite quote. Have you got one for us? I do. I have one from a, a, my favourite book from when I was young. It's Franz Moringa, Horses Are Meant to Be Horses. And um, not many people probably know about him much anymore, but my instructor told me that he was uh, the book was fantastic, so I had to read it. And he was an uh, instructor in Spanish riding school years ago, so probably uh, he trained Olympic teams in the 1960s. Uh, his quote would be, Preserve the natural gates, preserve his personality, preserve his instinct to go forward. Do this and you'll be successful because you're respecting nature's wisdom. Yes, I think sometimes we get a bit stuck in that, don't we? We try to change a lot, but uh, it's about preserving and enhancing. Yep, especially the you know, horse's personality and, and the movement so that you must keep this into your mind all the time when you're training or working with a horse. mm, mm. All right. Liz, how did you start with horses and what were your first memories? Uh, I had good fun thinking of this. My first memories, I've always loved horses from a little kid, always drew horses, wanted toy horses, stuffed horses, china horses, <laughs> <laughs> always drawing. I got into a special art school drawing horses. But my first riding memory was going around camping with my parents and I saw a horse in a paddock at a caravan park and they asked them if I could ride it, and I think I was about five years old. So they just chucked me on this horse with thongs on and shorts. I got this photo of it, <laughs> and uh, they just let me go in the car park, and I just walked around the car park with a random horse, and I survived. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, my brother saw a motorbike, wanted to ride a motorbike, and he was given that, but he took off and crashed into a bathtub and got really beat up. But, um, but he survived, but he didn't continue with motorbikes and I continued with horses. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you hear these horror stories about people's first memories and, you know, you cringe a bit, but then people, that's their first memories and, and you know, they've kept going from there. So, all right. Now, what about just moving on from there, you know, how did you actually get your first horse? Just tell us a bit about your life with horses after that. Yeah, my first horse, um, I always annoyed my parents, you know, the shopping list trick. You know, they write down they need milk, butter, bread. And at the end, I'd always put horse. Um, <laughs> so that went on for ages. And then I was in uh, secondary school, I think it was year nine or so, and they suddenly turned around to me and said, oh, you can have a horse. We've only got a couple hundred dollars. So I so, oh, okay, good, I can get a horse. I don't care what it's like. So uh, I'd only ridden at uh, Wyandra Riding School. For um, since I was about six years old, I had lessons there. So then we went out looking for a horse, and my friend, one of my friends had a horse, it was Palomino. Mm -hmm. So I instantly said the horse had to be a Palomino. 
to match my friend's horse. <laughs> we looked in the paper and there was one horse, Palomino, and it was a thoroughbred type of horse, three years old, uh, just broken in, and I thought it was perfect. So we went out there, loved it, rode it in a round yard, never took it out of the round yard. Yeah, he lunged it for about an hour before I got on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we bought it. We then turned up with a single horse float to pick up this horse, didn't float. So we spent two hours, everyone trying to get the horse on the float. Took it to a paddock when my friend had a horse in um, North Lake. Let it go and it ran straight through all the fences. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, anyway, we kept with the horse. Some parents used to just drop me off there and I'd ride the horse and it would buck me off every day. Um, and I did that for about a year until it finally stopped bucking me off. <laughs> and uh, that was my first horse. Well, yeah. Again, another horror story, but, you know, you know now as a coach, you know, what you've been through, and you certainly don't recommend that or wish that on any of your students for sure. Definitely not. I know many things that you should never, ever do and that I survived that most people wouldn't survive. (laughs) I was just lucky. Okay, then. From leaving school then, were you always going to have a career with horses when you were, you know, when you had your horses? Was that always on the books or, you know, what was your story there? Uh, no, my uh, parents said I should you know, go to university, so I uh, thought oh, I'll be a teacher. So I was going to go to secondary school teaching. But when I did the first year of up at Curtin, um, I found the kids were taller than me and they were a bit scary. So I took a break <laughs> and started working in a legal office. I just wanted to compete at that stage with eventing. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to spend time with my horses, not teach, especially after trying to learn how to teach kids. Yep. For school, that scared me to pieces. <laughs> so, so I worked in that legal office for 15 years. All right. <laughs> and then when you were working in the yeah. legal office, you still had your horses, though? Oh, yes. Yeah, I had horses. I'd collect horses. I would buy a horse that someone was you know, was going to put down because it was a bolter, picked it up for a couple hundred dollars, taught it to stop, sold it on to someone else again. You know, I was always trying to rescue horses, <laughs> <laughs> buy these terrible horses and teach the how to be ridden. <laughs> okay, okay. So even that, I mean, you know, there's some degree in, of professionalism in that if you're buying and selling, but what made you decide to actually have a career, you know, to become a coach? Was there like a, just a natural progression or did you make a decision? What happened there? Yeah, I think it was when I was at the legal office, there was one partner there who had a daughter who asked me out of the blue, would I teach his daughter? And I said, oh, yeah, Okay. And uh, put her on my horse, and from there, and then I, I actually injured my arms at um, uh, my elbow with typing and so on at the office, so I couldn't keep doing that. So after that, I thought, oh, I might try teaching again. So this time, teaching horse riding. But probably before that, that leads into another question you often ask. I think of how many, uh, what person has influenced you the most, and probably what actually made me start teaching. Not only was this this daughter, but uh, I used to go to TAFE and do all the courses at TAFE, all the uh, equine management courses. I did every single subject that the uh, TAFE had. Mm -hmm. And uh, Zoe Harrison ran a lot of the writing and teaching phases of that. And so um, she, right at the beginning, taught me and encouraged me to do all these things. So uh, really it was Zoe at uh, the TAFE, the situation at work, and that young daughter that hit me out to teach. Mm, mm. So those three things sort of pushed you into that natural progression. Yep. Yep. So people now, if they were going to start on a horse career, thinking about a horse career, 
What sort of character traits or core skills do you think they need to work in the horse industry? You need to be, to teach, you need to have some understanding of training horses. I mean, you can teach and just be good at teaching people, but um, that's good at a lower level. But for high level problem horses, I think you need to have an understanding on how to train and work through different horse issues. And then you need to be able to say that to people that they can understand mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what to do. Yeah. So you've got the communication, but then also the technical skills of having the understanding of training horses as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and the more experience you have with, with different types of horses, uh, I think it is more useful because not every horse follows the same. I mean, you have training scales you follow. You know the steps you need to take to train people, but uh, horses don't always follow the rules. No, no, that's right. Every horse is different, and just when you think you've got them all figured out, then uh, another one presents itself to you. Yeah, definitely. All right, now you talked about Zoe Harrison, you know, being influential. Anyone else that you'd like to mention that's been fairly influential? I'd say Zoe is my main person that I look up to and if I could be anything as good as her which is impossible I think but she is uh, uh, incredible and so correct everything she does and she loves horses she loves people and she's a a real um, lady um, amazing person Mm. many other instructors have helped me as well Nadine Merriweather has been really good in the from time to time with me and I love working with her as well but yeah, and there's now other, other instructors, of course, but uh, but uh, yeah, Zoe would be the, the main one for me. All right, now you've talked about a few of the horses, and I'm sure that there have been horses, you know, like ones that you've learned from, you know, a horse that you got and didn't stop and then you taught it to stop and the Palomino that you got first up that used to buck you off every day until, you know, you managed to figure that one out. Are there any other horses that you think have influenced you? Yeah, probably um, I have two horses that have influenced me the most over um, my competition time, and that would be uh, one horse which I actually bred was Wanira Bay or Emma, and I bought a mare in foal from Ros Tippett here in WA, and she was called Barabadine Majana, uh, full sister to Barabadine Masala, who was a very successful FEI horse. And she was in foal to um, a Trachina stallion called Cornelius, and the foal was, ended up being Wanira Bay or Emma. Mm-hmm. And she was my learning horse, I suppose. She taught me everything, and she ended up doing FEI as well, FEI dressage. And she does a head four foals, and she's presently uh, retiring with um, Lisa Baker up in the hills. So she has some bit of one-on-one as her, she's getting a bit older now. Mm-hmm. And the other one would be a horse, Altissimo. Two horses I competed at the same time. He was a horse I leased originally from Fiona McLeod, and uh, got him took him and Emma to the Sydney National Dressage Championships, I think it was 2002, and uh, that was a pretty good experience. And uh, I got him up to uh, doing Grand Prix, but he only did half a dozen tests, and then I was actually pregnant with my daughter Mia, and when I stopped competing with him or stopped riding him just before she was born, he uh, developed Cushing's over that time and got laminitis enough that he never competed again. But those two horses influenced me the most with what I know and any experience that I have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, just going back to the, the 2002 Sydney Dressage Championships, do you think that's been your proudest moment or do you want to mention something else? Uh, yeah, that would probably be the uh, proudest moment. It was the scariest moment, <laughs> probably more than proudest. I don't think we, we did anything that, that successful, uh, but it was certainly a great experience. 
and terrifying. But yeah. uh, we did end up getting a six in the into one freestyle, so I call that my ten thousand dollar ribbon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it would have been a long trip for you to go over to Sydney, wouldn't it? How long did it take? Well, because we, I hadn't done it before, I went over a month before the event, mm-hmm. and I took the two horses. It was Emma I was only doing advanced level, and Monty was doing uh, small toy SEI, but uh, Emma kept Monty quiet, so. Um, we would uh, take the two together, and I took over my husband and a client friend. And, yeah, we travelled over. It took a month before, and then the comp for a week. So we were gone for six weeks. So, um, yeah, it was a pretty expensive thing to do. And, yeah, one of the horses, Emma hurt herself over there. But she did, she did end up competing, but she didn't get all the tests done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, certainly it was a very proud moment to, to be able to do it and get back in one piece. <laughs> All right. Now, thinking about your career with horses, what's been your biggest challenge? Biggest challenge? Probably, I can't remember how many years ago it was. It was before I had my daughter, but uh, I was my friend had this large pony, put about 14 two hands, and it wouldn't go on the float. So I, <laughs> my friend, I went, oh, I'll go and just lead it around a bit. You know, were you getting something, whatever, in the pony? I thought I'd walk it towards the float. You know, it was quite mm-hmm. a few years ago. And um, it uh, decided to run back on top of me. And, you know, it was my fault. I looked at it as a pony. Uh, a pony can do just as much damage as a horse. And he actually snapped um, both my calf muscles in my right leg. So oh, no. that took me out of action for nearly a year. It took me six months to be able to walk without crutches. Wow. Um, so that was probably a pretty big challenge trying to get back from there. Well, it can happen so quickly, can't it? I mean, there's such big animals and it can just go like that. Yep, yep. yep. So as soon as you start thinking that uh, you know better or, you know, it's just this or just a small horse or I'm just walking it over there, I don't need to lead it properly, whatever the situation is, that's where you get hurt. So you always got to keep uh, your guard up and do everything properly. Yep. So you're on crutches for six months. How long did you not ride for? Oh, I was trying to ride straight away with no stirrups. You are such uh, a horse person. Off my <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah, the things you do, which you shouldn't. You know you shouldn't do it, but you just, it's very naughty. I don't, you, if you're injured, you should not ride your horse. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, how did that work when you were riding without stirrups? Oh, it was good. I actually, uh, in the end, helped me quite a lot with my seat, but I did not help with getting my foot back in the stirrup because my calf muscle you know, wouldn't stretch. So, mm. Um, mm. yeah, I had a lot of physio to be able to actually get my feet back in the stirrup after that. (laughs) Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory with practical components that can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is onlinehorsecollege.com. Thanks. Okay, now I want you to put on your coaching cap and think about a common fault that you see riders or a problem that they have and um, just something that you often see, but how to fix it as well. Yeah, the main thing would be don't try to rush your training. I mean, that's tempting. At the same time, I was thinking about you know, people not rushing their training and one of the things that people often do and they get stuck in a rut is they are afraid to not try something. They might think they can never do something in the future and it comes down to take your time. Don't rush your horse. Your horse will tell you 
if you're going too fast, it'll start napping or misbehaving or shying or whatever it is. If you can listen to the horse, it will tell you if you are rushing things. But at the same time, if you're a rider, say, at a adult riding club and you think you'll never be able to do a hard pass, I mean, yes, you can. So things that you may feel that you'll never be able to do, whether it's a half pass, flying change is difficult, but a flying change, whatever it is, you can do it. And you just need to um, have a go. But never push the horse further than the horse can cope. I think that's one of the main things. Yeah, and I think that's finding a balance, you know, between rushing the training and between attempting doing what you can do. And it is, it's about listening to the horse, it's about experience, and it's also about experience people helping you to let you know if you're pushing the horse too far or yes you can go ahead and giving you that bit of confidence yeah i think that's it. getting some help on the ground getting help someone that it doesn't really need to be uh i mean you want the most experienced person or or someone that you can understand how they talk and you trust them mm. to get your help but you also sometimes you can have your um non-horsey husband out there watching you and they hate it but uh with a camera <laughs> taking a photo or whatever video and they can tell you if your heels are up or you're collapsing or your shoulders down or you're holding your reins too short i mean they don't those basic things they can help you with yep. but um you know to improve your riding you need an instructor or someone that you trust yep all right now you talked also about you know other things that can complement riding and you did talk about the book franz moringa's book you know horses are meant to be horses have you got another one that or, or is that the main book that you think we should recommend to the listeners? Oh, that is a great book. It's certainly well worth anyone reading it. But another guy is fantastic. He's an Australian guy, is Tom Roberts. Yep. His series of books are just amazing. My favourite one is Training the Young Horse. And if I want a bit of a joke, I read their reminiscences. He is one of those as well. And just all his books are super easy to read and um, full of knowledge. Yep, yep. All right, now just a quick tip about equine photography. What's a quick tip that people miss when they're taking a photo of horses? The main thing is that to take a good photo of an action, photo of a horse, you mm -hmm. need to know how the horse moves. So if you're running trot photos, you need to know the footfalls and the sequence of swing of all the legs. And, so, and canter. Canter is really tricky to get a good photo. Uh, you need to know when's the right time in the sequence of the canter to take that nice uphill photo. Mm -hmm. And that's tricky. And don't take photos of people walking because it always looks terrible. Okay, okay. All right, then I think that's a good tip then for people who would like to go out and get just better photos of their own horses even or, you know, taking photos of their friends' horses because some are very good but some are just, yeah, as you say, a bit ordinary. Now, tell me what you're looking forward to, Liz. Oh, in the future? Well, I was hoping last year to maybe get to the Nationals with a client's horse, and maybe one of mine, but maybe this year we might try to see if we can get these horses uh, to get to the National Dressage Championships this year, perhaps, 2018. Mm -hmm. Yes. My a wonderful client, I've been with her for about four years roughly now, Pam Page, and I've been riding her lovely horse, Jetson, and he's a small tour FEI now. So... Um, I'm hoping to, yeah, we'll see how far we can get that horse going and, and a couple of mine and see what happens. Good. That would be my plan. Hopefully yep. nationals, hopefully get back on the squads mm -hmm. and we'll go as far as we can with these horses. Great. All right. Now, Liz, can you sum up your philosophy into a lesson today? Um, try to enjoy your horse. Okay. <laughs> okay. I think that's a, it's a pretty brief one, but, yeah, 
you can expand on it for sure. Sometimes the people are either competition motivated or they might be seeing the horse carrots motivated or pampering the horse and making it look pretty motivated. But, uh, yeah, enjoy it. And that's the way you want to enjoy it. And, um, yeah, and if you, you don't like the way things are going, then change what you're doing and look for uh, another way or another discipline or something so you can actually enjoy it. Because they're expensive, they're hard work, and they cause family fights. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that would be the main one. <laughs> All right, I think that's good. Now, Liz, how can people contact you? Ah, it's always fun. I'm... When I'm teaching, I don't answer my phone very much, but SMSing me, if you can't get me on my phone, SMS me on my mobile. I'm on Facebook. It's Liz Talazo Facebook. And it's also Wondera Park Dressage on the Facebook. Uh, you can email me. Um, Facebook, I'm not on a lot, but I about once a day I'll check my Facebook messages. Okay. Good. But, um, yeah. And those contact details will be on horsechats.com slash Elizabeth Talazo. Liz, it's been great talking to you today. I've loved some of your stories. I love the grocery list and putting a horse on the grocery list. I think that's a very important grocery item. And <laughs> I think if you keep putting it on the list, well, eventually it happens. So good on you for setting that goal and uh, actually achieving it. <laughs> All right. Look, hope, hopefully we'll get you back sometime soon. And meanwhile, you take care. And thanks very much for talking to us today. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.